0: Welcome to the Notion Podcast, this is Reimagining. I'm Paul. I'm with Stephen for Reimagining, another episode. And today, today, someone was uh, dialing in from Switzerland, my home country, from the other part of Switzerland, because I'm from the French part, as my last name doesn't say. He's currently in Zurich, the German part. And you're going to introduce him, Stephen. Our next guest is
1: Andreas Brenner. Andreas is the founder and CEO of Avrios. Basically, a fleet management and automation system that Andreas established in 2015. We led the Series A there in 2017. And the interesting thing is that before founding Avrios, Andreas co-led a family business called the Brenner Group, and they were pioneers themselves in fleet management. And he himself operated a, a fleet of 120 vehicles, so he really understands the ins and outs. And that organisation was very forward-thinking in their use of technology. So. He's really bringing that experience to a wider industry. Um, Delighted to have you here, Andreas, and, and thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Looking forward to the conversation.
1: Great. Well, let's just jump straight in. Obviously, we're talking about the impact of the coronavirus crisis on businesses and founders. When and how did you realize the significance of the crisis to you and the business?
0: I do actually recall the day very well because once a month I meet up with a peer group of other entrepreneurs and we do some reflections in a structured way on the topics of our personal life, family life and the business. And so given that I knew this conversation was going to be about Corona, I actually went back into my records and found out that the 10th of March was the first time that I recorded this as a business negative. And so it must have been before the 10th of March, somewhere between February and March, that I came to realization, oh my gosh, this is going to be big and it's going to put our business into trouble, potentially. And how did that make you feel? Interestingly, as part of those reflections, I actually note down my feelings as well. And the words that I noted are frustration and also, oh, no, not again, exclamation mark. And what I meant by this was that over the last five years, you know, as we built the business, we had gone through lots of ups and downs. Looking back, it's obviously been a joyful and, and a relatively successful journey, but it's had its fair share of ups and downs. And the business going into the year felt like it was really in a very, very strong position. And so I felt... Like a lot of tension had just gotten off of my back. And I kept on telling my friends that whenever I go home for more than three days in a row and I feel like the business is in really good shape and there's nothing wrong right now, then I tend to get anxious because I feel like whatever is going to be next is going to be big. If there's no small problem for three days in a row, then I know the next problem will be big or the next challenge will be big. I don't usually talk about problems. And so that was the case here, right? For a couple of days, I felt like the business was in a really good place. And, you know, I was really confident in the team that we had built, et cetera, the market outlook. And here comes Corona. So I I really felt like, oh my God, please, why does this need to happen right now? I put so much energy into building the business to the place where it is. And I immediately understood that this will most likely mean some sort of restructuring. Just because I had seen our family business go through the 2008 financial crisis, I wasn't part of the operative management by the time, but at least I had a co-driver seat, if you will, so I could observe over my dad's shoulder and and had discussions with him about that. So, yeah, I felt like, oops, this might be the early signs of a new 2008, and it's not going to be good, and it means restructuring, and it means you're basically building back, slash destroying a lot of the things that I felt so good about at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a founder, you're used to to dealing with change, that's for sure, and uh, keeping out of your comfort zone. So I just wondered then, how did you come to terms with the impact of this, and in particular, those changes that you needed to that you needed to make?
0: So I try and rationalize all the decisions that I take. And this time, that was relatively difficult because... When I first tried to make sense of the magnitude of this crisis that we were going into, I had to think through different scenarios and there was no right or wrong. There was just a lot of incomplete data. And I remember telling an entrepreneur friend that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're used to making decisions on 60% certainty, which to the outside already looks like we're big risk takers. And then we just believe in the rest and invest enough energy to make the rest work out the other 40 percent that we weren't so clear about in the beginning but i felt like this time it was more in the range of 30 40 certainty i felt like it wasn't clear which direction it was going to go now it all looks a lot clearer at least for switzerland and and germany but definitely not for the world but at least for switzerland and germany for the upcoming months but at the time it was just completely uncertain how quickly this was going to hit how big an impact it would have Would we actually go into a complete lockdown? Yes or no? What would the impact on the economy be, et cetera, et cetera? So all of those things were completely unclear. There was only uncertainty around the data. And so ultimately, I felt like there was only a philosophical approach to solving this. And I I did research, talked to other entrepreneurs. And at some point, I realized that the fundamental question was, do I want to navigate through this crisis and put the company at risk? What do I want to navigate through this crisis, potentially looking like an overly conservative CEO coming out of it? In other words, do I take drastic decisions quickly and therefore give the company room to breathe and save the remaining jobs? Or do I wait until I have more certainty around the data, but potentially, if this gets bad, that put the company at risk? And I decided that I would rather look like an overly conservative CEO coming out of the crisis, having potentially not leveraged the full opportunity I could have from a business perspective, but at least I didn't put the complete company at risk. So that's how I decided philosophically to deal with this. And then it turned into a bit of a ping pong between our board, our investors, our internal team. I do have some experienced managers in the team who have previously been through similar situations, at least economic crisis. And so I tried and aggregate all of the different experiences and opinions that were available to me and then tried to figure out what a scenario would be that all of us could build sufficient confidence in, but that also left more room than usual for errors. Over the last few years, we'd usually build plans that didn't leave a lot of room for mistakes, whereas I said, okay, this time, one we have to scale the business back significantly to make sure that we have sufficient cash to navigate in the next few years, predominantly because it was completely unclear to me whether we would be able to raise cash or not in the future. That was clear. And the other thing was we had to build a plan that had sufficient room for mistakes in there or for uncertainty, not necessarily mistakes in there, but we just couldn't plan with the data of the past. We just had to use very young and nascent data because the situation we were in, the market we were in, was completely new and none of our historic data could necessarily inform anything that was going to happen in the next few months. So first, I had to take this philosophical decision. Do I want to put the company at risk or do I want to potentially look like an overly conservative CEO? I said I want to be the potentially overly conservative CEO and then I had to build a scenario which Strikes the right balance between all of our stakeholders. So we had to be fair to our former employees who had all worked hard to build the company. So all of those that we had to let go, I wanted to make sure we were very as fair as possible to them. We had to be an employer that our future employees, those who remained in the business, could rely on. We had to consider our customers and the promises that had been made to them to be an innovative and fast moving software player to deliver on the promises that we made to them. And of course, our investors who had certain expectations with regards to return on investment. And putting all those constraints, we ran through different scenarios and ultimately settled on one that we all felt comfortable with, at least for a certain period of time. But we were also very clear that things might change quickly again and so we had to stay observant and we had to potentially adjust the plan again as we went into this. Fortunately it doesn't look like that, but at a time we were prepared to potentially do that.
1: Could you maybe just talk us through that rescue plan and in particular you kind of playing out that kind of mind shift from playing to win to playing to survive, which is to a certain extent what you've just been describing.
0: The mind shift was playing to win, basically growth at all costs. And then all of a sudden we said, cash runway is king, certainty is king. Fortunately, I had known what that looks like from a family business, right? Our family business had been a, an independent business in independence from banks, from other investors, etc. It always been one of the key principles on which my dad ran the family business. So i kind of been in a business that was independent and I had an idea of what such a business looked like from the inside. And so I tried to build a transition plan that would help us transition from a venture-backed growth as one of the biggest factors of building the business towards you know, independence from future cash. So how could we get to cash flow positivity quickly? How could we improve efficiency in our go-to-market How could we be more focused in our engineering efforts? How could we get more done with the same people while considering that everybody was already stressed personally because of what was happening, right? We have people with family in some countries that are most affected by this crisis. So we had to make sure we take them into account as well. So yeah, that was the the mind shift from growth to let's call it financial independence,
1: So we've gone through that mind shift. We've got that strategy to move towards independence. So what are you now doing differently in terms of how you're working with customers, how you're thinking about product, how you're thinking about your employees?
0: So I think the short summary is focus. So I've definitely read a lot of stories of businesses that probably did too many things at the same time. And then at some point came a critical moment in in their existence where they realized they had to focus to survive. And once I got that process going, I felt like I, I understood that being more focused wasn't necessarily just a factor to survive, but definitely potentially even a factor to win even bigger as we come out of this. Because if we're more focused on a certain type of customer, that would mean we could build an even better product for those all of that obviously translates into a more focused marketing and sales approach, more focused approach to serving customers in the customer success team, etc. So the question was, how could we be more focused? And thinking about this, I started realizing and, and actually we as a management team started realizing that this whole exercise of being more focused in all areas was potentially going to be a way to ultimately be a better business and win bigger as we come out of this, then going into this. And by thinking through this, we realized that most likely this was our time. This is our time because we had always been a tool that's here for cost savings. So we help customers reduce their fleet expenses. And we had just gone through the process of having to let go of some of our people that we had recruited, that we had in some cases become friends with, that we had trained It was emotionally very hard to let those people go and realize that emotionally, we would prefer every single measure to reduce our costs and increase our efficiency over letting people go. And we realized that what we do is actually, we can provide that to our customers, right? We can help them reduce the operations expenses for their fleet very quickly. And that wasn't so important in the time before we went into this, but it's really important now. And so as we thought through focus, we started realizing that what this crisis is doing for us is that the whole market is all of a sudden aligning. All of a sudden, the fleet manager is thinking about the same thing as the CEO. (laughs) They're thinking about efficiency, about cost reduction, and they want to avoid letting people go as much as they possibly can. And we realized, oh my gosh, we have a way to help those people do this. And so that's what I mean when I said, we were more focused initially internally, but over time, we also realized that this situation might actually be a really strong business opportunity for us in the midterm.
1: That kind of focus on your customers must have also a very, very positive focus on your employees. You know, correct. That, that we're solving a really important problem.
0: Yes, correct. At, to be honest, it took some time to evangelize around this. I could see it. I had been in sufficient customer conversations. And I saw the count expansion in Q2. So in the middle of Corona, you know, customers opted to double their expenses with us in, in a normal renewal. And this was because they really believed in the additional value that the bigger packages of our product could provide. So the people who were close to customers saw this and they were the first ones to get excited and infected by the opportunity that was ahead of us. But of course, emotionally, they were also all still dragged down by the fact that some of their friends had just been laid off and let go so that was the thing we had to navigate through right this this person situation where we tried to be as fair as possible to people that we let go supported them in their job search provided benefits where the government wasn't providing benefits and so forth that was one thing we had to keep top of mind but the other thing was the business opportunity and evangelizing the company on this real opportunity that's ahead of us and by now i would say that probably 60, 70% of the company really, really believe that this is an opportunity because they've seen sufficient data. But then there's always some people that take some more time before they really believe. And I, I expect that over the next couple of months, they're going to follow suit.
1: You know, a crisis does create the opportunity for rapid acceleration of change doesn't it? So I wonder to what extent you're now really reimagining a different future for your business and perhaps for the industry you serve as well.
0: Yes, of course. So I think the fundamental trends haven't changed. They've just been accelerated. So electrification of fleets, the introduction of electric drivetrains into corporate fleets was something that had already been on everybody's mind. Now, if you are a big company taking a COVID loan from the government, there's very likely some kind of carbon dioxide reduction target associated with that money. So I think the electrification of fleets is going to be accelerated as compared to what we had expected before. Similarly, people have become a lot more aware of the possibilities of remote work. And especially in Germany, we still had some discussions of you know on premise versus cloud software which to me as, an, as a SaaS entrepreneur obviously was always a bit of a funny discussion but we now see a lot more clarity and awareness of what the advantages of cloud are so we don't need to explain that anymore and so i think what this crisis has done to our market at least is i don't currently expect that it's fundamentally changed how people move if we look at the usage data of vehicles on our platform, then we do see most companies bouncing back to normal patterns relatively quickly. But I do think it's changed awareness of the benefits of cloud remote technology. And I do think it's accelerated the drive towards electrification. After electrification, I potentially see companies moving towards more shared models of transportation some of them have been negatively impacted. We don't know how long that virus is going to be remain a topic. But from a budget perspective, from a technology perspective, once the COVID virus is over, I would expect the return to shared in a bigger way than we've seen it before, just because of the awareness of technology and how it can benefit the, the business. In summary, that's the most uncertain to me. This Where is the shared economy, where especially shared mobility going after this? As pros and cons, but you know, my current hypothesis is that it's going to be accelerated as well. It's no longer going to take us seven to eight years to get there. I think it's rather going to be in the four to five year range now that we see it integrated into corporate fleet offerings or transportation offerings in a bigger way. So I don't think we've fundamentally reimagined where the world is gonna go, but I do think we've changed the time scale on which we're thinking about those changes. Additionally. What has definitely happened for us is that the whole market has aligned in the short term and what their priorities are, which is cost reduction or efficiency. And that is something that has not necessarily been the case for us before. So we always had to be really good at discovery to understand what is each customer's specific problem. Whereas nowadays, it's become really easy because it's definitely somewhere in the range of business efficiency. That's definitely top of mind. And that's the emotional button to start the conversation with before we then go into more detail on the specific customer situation.
1: Does that acceleration of change impact upon your product strategy as well? Has that changed or simply accelerated?
0: Yes, I think our business and our product team have definitely been more agile in the last three months than ever before, which is something that I've been really, really excited about. So we definitely pushed certain things out, such as what we call the marketplace. So that's a way where Customers can't only manage their fleet through our platform, but they can take action so they can get better tire offers. They can fix their costs right through our platform. They can run tenders for repair offers through our platform. So that's something that we shipped very, very quickly because it was closely aligned with the short-term value proposition of helping our customers reduce their fleet expenses quickly. That's something that had been on the roadmap for the second half of the year, and we pushed it into March, released it, and by now it's already become a substantial part of our business plan. We're actually expecting seven-figure revenues from that this year. So that's, that's definitely significant. The other part is that we did rethink the way that customers are buying. So we did emphasize self-service and the self-service model of buying a lot more because customers were now remote. They were at home. Let's say they were buying from the iPad and iPhone a lot more than they already were before. And because of that, we accelerated our move towards a self-service distribution model for our customers. And then in the midterm, we're in the process of evaluating the push on electrification and how we can best support that. It's very likely we're going to accelerate that as well.
1: So how do you now feel about the business, the outlook?
0: I feel like we've reduced the business to a new platform. So I called it the phoenix that rises from the ashes, right? Right. I feel very good about the business. I really, really feel very strongly that, that we've quickly aligned as a team. We've quickly changed you know, our messaging, short-term value proposition. We're seeing the go-to-market motion work again. We're seeing very strong and encouraging rise in NPS. Our expansion metrics are stronger than they ever were before. So I think there are lots of reasons to be very excited about where we're going. At the same time, on an absolute basis, we're less people, so we're producing less. So I do think we have to re-ramp the business to also be exciting again from a growth perspective. But you know, still being cautious and mindful of your growth typically costs some money, and we're taking it step by step. But I think we're already in this process where where we're becoming a little bit more bullish again on growing without spending as much as we used to. So I feel like we're on, that's what I said, we're on a new platform, right? So we're growing a bit more slowly, but we've become tremendously more efficient. And I do think that Now we've learned how to grow much more efficiently, and and we're probably going to see that translate into us beating our our revised business plan for for the next couple of quarters. So I generally feel good. I think we're more focused, we're more innovative in the product than we were before. And the last thing is, of course, that some of our employees are still very affected and very worried about the general circumstances. Is there a second wave, yes or no? So I think there's still a lot of things that as an employer, we have to do to be there for our employees and to help them really get through this because it's one of the biggest crises of the last century. And as much as people are excited again on the surface, that if you dig a little bit deeper, you still see that it's in their heads, it isn't over. And we still need to be very mindful of the emotional toll that we've paid by going through this.
1: Andreas thank you so much it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation and i'm very fascinated to to see what you achieve in the years to come thank you very much indeed
0: thank you very much stephen it was a pleasure